Hello, this is the Things Christians Want to Know podcast. Welcome back. I am Nate Johnson, still with a cold. Apologize for that. You're with Paul Anderson. Hi. Who is not suffering from a cold. So, I sort of am. Sort of am. Not as bad as me. You have more faith, I guess. So that's, that's nice. So uh, we're going to continue the discussion that we've been having the last couple of weeks on breaking free from strongholds. And I'm not going to do a lot of recap. If, you, if, if you're just jumping in now, I, I really encourage you to go back and listen to the last two because um, otherwise you won't know what's going on. And if we recap it, it'll take almost as long as the previous two podcasts anyway. There's, there's just a lot of stuff here. But um, a stronghold in, in the most basic terms is turning to something else other than God. God is supposed to be our everything. We turn to him for anything we need. And when we turn to something other than God, that's not the right choice. It's not going to yield the best results. And as we do that habitually, we can create a pattern of living, thinking, feeling in our life that becomes bad. It becomes a prison where we turn to for comfort, like the refrigerator or video games or entertainment is a big one these days. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to placate my soul. The fact that I'm annoyed at work by binging on Netflix for three hours every night. Uh, and I'm not saying it's a sin to watch TV for three hours, but if we do that every week and every day and it turns into a habit and pretty soon we need to do that or we're just not happy with life, it can rob us from a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so these these potentially non-harmful things become quite harmful to our life. Um, and the devil uses lies sometimes to get us into the strongholds in the first place. He deceives us or seduces us maybe to come into something other than God to turn our focus from him. Other times it's when we, once we kind of find ourselves in a habit of behavior, a pattern of thinking that isn't good, he then uses lies to keep us in there. Because the devil's goal is always to keep us from God, to keep us from God. Anything he can do to keep us from God. Whether he he gets us to focus on ourselves and our situation and it turns into self-pity, and self-centeredness, or he gets us to focus on the fact that we've found ourselves in a terrible place, and oh, we're so horrible, and now we have to be ashamed, and we're such terrible sinners. Whatever he can do to pull focus from God, he is going to do. And I wanted you to give just a couple examples, other examples of strongholds that I have seen, especially in in the way that people think and respond to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, this is very true in marriage. <laughs> I think it can be true with any friendship, any any good relationship, but it's very true in marriage that when we respond to someone's behavior or something they say, and they say something in a way that we don't really like it, and they say something we're like, oh, they're nagging a little bit, but whatever, it's fine. But we still, we judge it, we think critically of it, mm-hmm. and we dislike it. Mm-hmm. And so we have that negative reaction to what they said in our head. And we don't repent of that, we don't deal with that, we just allow that to stand, and we quote-unquote forget about it, or let it go. And then the next thing, the next time it happens, we have that same reaction, and we quote-unquote let it go again. Well, as that builds up over time, pretty soon we have a lot of negative reactions and responses to this person built up already. We've got a treasure trove of times where they've always done this. And so pretty soon we start reacting negatively before they even do it, before they say the thing, before they say, okay, it's time to stop work and come home. It's time to do this, whatever specific situation it is, especially true in marriage because we have so many interactions with our spouses. 
And so pretty soon we find ourselves responding to our spouse as if they've done something terrible or something mean or something inconsiderate, when in fact, in reality, if we saw it objectively, they did not. They were not being inconsiderate. They asked you what you wanted for dinner or something very benign like that. But because we've chosen to react poorly over and over and over again and made those choices, we've created a stronghold of bitterness, resentment, distrust, distrust, something like that towards the other person. And we say, and they might say, what is your deal? Well, you're just so inconsiderate all the time. What? Yeah. How am I inconsiderate? We don't even know how to respond, maybe, but we just have this feeling that I know for sure this is how you are. Yeah. And we believe the worst. And we believe the worst. And not only believe the worst, we expect the worst. So that before they even do anything that would potentially be negative, we're already negative. Which makes it, we're the victims. Yes. And then we play ourselves as the victims and they're the aggressor. Yes. And this is how marriages end, folks. This, if it's not dealt with, will continue. And it will spread to other areas. Mm-hmm. Now it's not just what she says to me, it's how she spends the money. We start reacting the same way because we're already negative towards this person. Mm-hmm. We're already judging them about something. We start judging them about something else and then something else. And pretty soon, relationally, we find ourselves pulled apart further and further and further because we're building up this resentment, this bitterness, this anger, this hurt, this victim mentality, whatever it specifically is in our situation. Mm-hmm. And so it starts out with a couple little lies or a couple choices to respond negatively and not deal with it, not let that negativity go to God. Instead, we just bury it down. And it turns into this stronghold. And I've seen this stronghold just wreak havoc in marriages. It is so sad. And in reality, all it is is a communication problem and a repentance issue. I am sorry. I am judging you for stuff you haven't even done. But but they don't realize that's true. They don't realize objectively this person probably isn't even doing those things. Or if they are... You just forgive them. Like, there's a forgiveness component, obviously, that we have to... But not everybody's perfect. I do a lot of things that require my wife to forgive me. <laughs> it's not just her misunderstanding me. It's me actually not listening uh what I'm supposed to and things like that. And that, that's difficult for her. Um And it's hard sometimes when someone does something they've done many times <laughs> to not say, ah, here, you're doing it again, and then dig up all that stuff you buried once. I've buried all these times you haven't listened to me when I talk to you, but I'm digging them up now, and here's the collection, not really forgiven, but buried in this safe place. There's all this history. Yes. Um, and it's difficult not to do that. That is, that is very tempting, and the devil tries to get us to do these kind of things. And so I've seen these strongholds start out in such little ways and turn into such, I mean, marriage-ruining things. It's, it's really, really sad. So these, these things are big deals. Strongholds are big deals. How we think, how we react, how we respond to our boss, to our pastor, to our spouse, to the Bible. Do we find ourselves reacting negatively to things right away or reacting in judgment or in anger or or in difficulty? Do we turn on the news and we're instantly yelling at the radio? You know, how are we responding to life? And as we see our, if we see that our responses are highly charged or emotional, overly emotional, then more emotional than they should be, or negative, then those are times where we need to take a step back and take a step down (laughs) onto our knees and say, God, something isn't right right now with me. Something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but it is unpleasant, and I really need your help. (laughs) And it's also helpful to talk to other people, because often our friends can see things that we can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be open and honest and 
God either directly through the Holy Spirit or through Scripture or through a friend, Christian friend, maybe a pastor, will help lead us to the truth to see that, no, there are some lies that you're believing and there are some things that you're holding on to that you shouldn't hold on to. And there's a stronghold here. And you can't get out of it now. I can't stop thinking negatively about this person. I can't stop reacting out of anger. I can't stop turning to the fridge. I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't stop. And you and I, of course, as pastors, both heard this many, many times. Mm -hmm. And so people then feel very defeated and, and just terrible. I'm such a terrible Christian because I'm so angry all the time. Or I'm such a terrible Christian because I'm so this or so that. And so they don't realize that there's freedom. The strongholds can be broken. Paul says that um, the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal. Okay, we fight against the spiritual realm, principalities, powers, and the weapons of our warfare are mighty, even to the tearing down of strongholds, Paul says. In other words, we can pray down strongholds. It is possible to break the power of these things in our lives. It is possible to break them to the point where relationships can be restored, where we can get back the life we used to have, or maybe a life we've never had, if, if this is something we've had very young. Sometimes these strongholds develop when we're really young, and it's just a pattern that we've learned to live by, um, and we don't realize there's another way. And so we want to learn, Paul, how to break these strongholds. How do we get out? I've seen people try to get themselves out, and it usually fails catastrophically. Yeah. And then they're even more defeated, and the devil convinces them of the lie even more than they were before that I can't get out of this. This is never going to stop. This is just who I am. Or what I've heard very many times, God is punishing me. God is grinding me under his boot because I'm so terrible or whatever. Which is silly and a lie. <laughs> but if you're already deceived, it's easier to be re deceived even more and believe yeah. more lies, right? Yeah, and so what are some of these false ways that you've seen, Paul? I know you've seen a lot that people have tried to get themselves out and th that should be your clue right there. Get yourself out. No, no, no. Again, the reason you got in here mm -hmm. <laughs> is because you weren't turning to God. That's how you wound up in this prison or created this prison yourself. So you can't get yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. You need to turn to God to get out of it. But what, what are some false attempts you've seen? I'll give you some, but first let me say that I felt like taking notes when you just shared that. <laughs> I mean, that was coming out, and it was profound. And you were telling the story that many of us have lived. About marriage? Oh, about that, marriage. That was autobiographical, by the uh, way. I'm I not going to pretend, our... pretend I've heard that in counseling several times. No, no, no. You knew it that too is, well. That is me and Sarah as of like yesterday. We had this discussion that, okay, I'm sorry that I was doing that. This is what I did. I realized it. I'm sorry. You know. Yeah. Well, well done. Well done. That was a great summary. And uh, that, that got us a long way to understanding strongholds. So let's look then, like you say, at attempts that are false attempts. Mm -hmm. we, we got ourselves into this mess, and so we're going to try to get ourselves out. We did it. We, we made a good job of getting into a prison, so we're going we're gonna to really try it out. One uh, is resolutions. Yes. Is to say, That's I should stop doing this. <laughs> yep. And those actually have little power to break the stronghold. And I've done this myself yeah. many times. Oh, yeah. 
you know, New Year's resolutions obviously are very popular, you know, culturally, but I, I've done this spiritually. Like, you hear a sermon, you get convicted. I shouldn't say you. I hear a sermon, I would get convicted. I would say, oh, I need to do this. I make a resolution. Now, our will is an important part of who we are. God created us with the will, mm-hmm. and he wants our will to be strengthened. Self-control is an important fruit of the Spirit, but it's a fruit of the Spirit, yes. not of our own soul. Yeah. And so we are like, when we are like, I am going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is American dream stuff. This is my grandfather. I mean, this is this is a lot of Scandinavians. I know, actually, <laughs> growing up here in Minnesota, this is it's very American, right? Sure it is. I'm going to do it. Just our grit. Our grit alone will get us through. Um, and it's just, it's just not true. It's, it's a, it's a Holy grit is a long ways from Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes. What about extra effort? It's closely related, Mm -hmm. but I put extra effort in an area other than in the area that I really need help. So in my deception, I cover up the stronghold by concentrating somewhere else. Mm. Sure. It's like an end around. Ever done that? Here's my, here's my trouble. (laughs) <laughs> but instead I'm going to try really hard in this other area because I think that's my real problem. <laughs> yeah. My real problem is this. Yes. That sounds like someone who maybe hasn't fully admitted even to themselves maybe that they have a stronghold or a problem. And so they're, but they realize there's something wrong. Yeah. Here's one that may surprise people. And don't react right away. I'm going to tell you why it often doesn't work. Prayer. Oh, I'm reacting. Okay. <laughs> I, How could prayer be a false when attempt? I when I was struggling at seminary with terrible insecurity and fear, I attempted to pray, but I knew that it would have no effect. I knew that my prayers were powerless. I knew I couldn't do it. And I think that oftentimes people will pray for a lifetime and not see any changes. And they don't expect to see any changes. There's no faith rooted in those prayers. And so they pray that they'll get over this problem anxiety. And they've prayed for 20 years and seen zero change. And so if someone says, just pray about it, they can say, yes, I will, and I have, and I've seen no change. So Mm. prayer isn't necessarily the answer to a stronghold. Interesting. Religion. And we've talked about this, that religion can be a good thing, but sometimes out of duty to earn points with God, I become more religious. I go to more meetings than I've been going, Mm -hmm. and I convince God to bless me, because he should, because I'm doing the best I can, for goodness sakes. Which is bad theology. That's right. Of course. Yeah. All the blessings were given to us. At the cross, and I'm going to dig. I'm going to dig myself out through religion. Yeah. Another one is criticism. If I can't do it, I can at least def- deflect the blame to others. Sure. And so it's I this woman you gave me, Lord. Yes. <laughs> that's that's an old one. Yes. It's a, it's a pretty old one. Didn't work very well, but no, it didn't. So I can concentrate on the faults of others and. That gives me a sense of temporary relief that the light's not on me. Yeah. 
Or, on the other hand, I can really punish myself. I can, I can, you, you idiot, you imbecile, you really are a bad person, you really are stupid, you really are an addict, and so I condemn myself, and I lash out, and I wonder if underneath, I'm saying, see God, I'm punishing myself, you don't get punishment, like your big stick God, you know, we see God with a big stick, and we don't want him to punish us, so we say, look, I'm punishing myself, you don't have to punish me. Again, bad theology, not realizing God punished Jesus for our sins. Yes. We don't need to punish ourselves. Absolutely. But I found myself in this exact one. I mean, I I relate to this, especially in college. I, I, I would feel very often like my sins were just conflated in front of me, and I would feel so ashamed. And it was all just the devil trying to, devil deceiving me, lying to me, trying to get me to believe that I can't turn to God. Mm-hmm. until I get over this, or I improve this, or I get to this place in my life, then I can really turn to God, you know, which is, again, terrible theology <laughs> and terrible advice. We need to turn to God now. That's the point. Yeah. But the devil will do anything he can to keep us from turning to God, including making us feel too unworthy. I'm too unworthy. Of course you're unworthy. That's why Jesus came. <laughs> but I still believe it. I believe I was too unworthy. One more, denial. Mm. If if I have tried other methods and they haven't worked, well, maybe I'll just deny that I even have it. Yeah. And that's where John says we deceive ourselves. It brings so much shame. It brings so much deception and darkness that I, I deny that I've got these problems, and that's where the Pharisees were. They were, we are not born of fornication. See, they wanted to blame Jesus and say he had the problem. They didn't have the problem. That that we have Abraham as our father. We're in good shape. Yeah. Don't don't look at our illegitimates, by the way. You remember that, Jesus? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, these ways will not bring us freedom. We want to say... This isn't the good list, folks. This is the bad list. This is really important because I think a lot of us, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners, have tried these mm-hmm. at some point. Maybe not even realizing that's what they were doing. But I, I've tried most of these. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yep, done that, done that, done that. So then what's, what is the way to freedom? How do we actually break a struggle? How do we get free? We'll just go. Or how do we help our friend get free? Yes. Yes. Because it's not, I, I don't want us to just think about ourselves here, because sometimes it's hard to di- self-diagnose. That's why we ask the Holy Spirit to do it. He is the wonderful counselor, right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus comes and he, he, he helps us diagnose. But we can help our friends sometimes um, to walk through these steps that we're going to walk through now. Yeah. And I think this, I think everyone listening could walk through these steps for yourself but also for others who are in your life and help, help walk them to freedom. That's what we're for as the body of Christ, to bear one another's burdens and to walk with each other. And so, take notes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. And if people made contact with us, we could send this article that I wrote on yeah. breaking strongholds in our life. Yeah. So we, could, we could send that out to them. So, the first step 
And I'm going to put this in the first person singular. I identify the stronghold. I got to do that. And if I've lived with deception for years, this may be difficult. So one way to identify a stronghold is to complete this sentence. I'll be okay if I finish the sentence. If I lash out in anger, or if I pity myself, or if I run to church, or if I take another drink, or if I try a little harder, or blame myself for everything, or if I give up, or keep worrying relentlessly, or I do it perfectly. So I'll be okay if that may be a way for you to get a hold of this. And also asking people who really love you and know you well, can you see the issues in my life? Can you see the struggles? I've often, as I've talked with young adults and counseled with them, mentored them, I have seen things that they were blind to. And then when I bring it to their attention, they say, yes, so we can get help, but we need to identify. That's the first thing. I identify the stronghold, number one. Number two, I confess my attachment to the stronghold. I confess that I've run to this instead of God. I've trusted something other than God for security, safety, pleasure, or hope, or whatever it is. I acknowledge that I believed Satan more than God. I believed a lie more than the truth. I rejected Jesus, who is the truth, by embracing a lie. So I'm just going to say a prayer here. And uh, this would be like a confession that uh, I have that attachment. Dear Father, forgive me for making excuses for my sinful behavior. I realize that what I have done has hurt you, others, and myself. I confess my pride, my fear of being hurt by people, my overly sensitive emotions, my propensity for defending myself rather than the truth. I am very sorry. That's number two. Then number three, I renounce the lies. As you quoted earlier, Paul said that we we go after these lies. We demolish them. Mm-hmm. We demolish strongholds. And so it takes some aggressiveness. Yeah. You know, we might want to raise our voice when we do this. So uh, number three is I renounce the lies. I love the baptismal formula, formula I learned as a young Lutheran, I renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways. Mm-hmm. And I you know, say that with strength. Another translation of that same statement, I renounce all the forces of evil, the devil and all his empty promises. So I acknowledge that Satan has never made good on any promise of comfort or well-being or safety, and I refuse to accept the lies any longer. I repudiate them in the name of Jesus. It's an act of aggression, breaking strongholds is. It's a declaration of war. So I, I say boldly, I renounce my dependency upon the stronghold of, and I name it, mm-hmm. drink, corn, food, pleasure, 
entertainment, whatever it is, I renounce that in my life. The battlefield, as we've said earlier, is the mind, the place where the enemy has taken me captive with lies. So St. Paul reminds me that the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every proud obstacle to the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to Christ. That's in 2 Corinthians 10. Then number four. Here's a big one. Here's a really important one. I forgive others. Because wounding often accompanies strongholds, I forgive those who have rejected or hurt or abused or manipulated me. Without forgiving, I cannot be free from a stronghold. According to Jesus, I will stay locked in torment until I release people for what they have done. That's in Matthew 18. And forgiving does not mean they have not hurt me or are not accountable for what they have done. It means that I will not demand repayment in my heart or continually hold them guilty before God. I will not take personal vengeance. I leave that to a merciful and just God. So, here's what I'd say if I were you. In Jesus' name, I forgive those who have hurt me. And you put their names in there. I ask Jesus to heal me from the wounds of my life. So, then number five, I affirm the truth. I cannot break free on my own. I need the strong man to bring me into freedom. I have believed lies. Now I choose to live by the truth of God's word. I daily read the scriptures so that my mind is washed in words of truth. I speak truth into my heart. Things like, I am free in Jesus Christ. God is bringing me victory. He is making me an overcomer. God loves me and accepts me in Jesus. He is cherishing me and looks out for me. I have a rich future in Jesus Christ. I have hope that no one can take from me. Because God loves me, I love myself. And I freely love others. When I was at seminary, I took five statements, and I said them over and over again. Statements of truth about who I was in God. Scriptures. Scriptures, yes. And statements like, I'm free because I'm a child of God. Mm -hmm. So it that was a part of what God used to get me free. So I, I affirm the truth. That's number five. Number six, I receive deliverance. In some cases, as we have said, there's a demonic component to strongholds. And then I need help from others. So Christians can be oppressed by demons, especially when they habitually open themselves to attack by embracing lies and putting themselves in enemy territory. Deliverance is needed to break the cycle and set prisoners free. And so we pray either for ourselves or for others. Here's an example. In the strong name of Jesus, I command all spiritual powers that have been associated with this stronghold of X, stronghold of whatever it is, to leave. They no longer have any power over me. I lay rightful claim to my freedom in Christ. I choose to make him my stronghold. I break any generational tie that has given me a propensity toward this stronghold. 
I release its hold on me in the power by the blood of Jesus. Amen. You know, some people might get concerned, confused, or even afraid. You know, you bring up the demonic, and, and some people, you know, react to that, or that's just bothersome to them. But that is the context of the passage in Corinthians. Yes. When Paul is talking about breaking strongholds, it's the context of fighting against spiritual powers. That's right. And so this this does sometimes have a component. Mm-hmm. It is spiritual and not simply psychological. That's right. Because um, the demonic is attracted to the crap, if you'll forgive the term, in your life. Mm-hmm. Just like flies are attracted to actual crap. If you get rid of the crap, the flies are gone because they won't bother coming around. There's nothing to, for them to be at. And so if you get rid of the stronghold and, and, and are healed from it, then you don't have to worry about the demonic component. Mm-hmm. Why would it be there anymore? Yeah. There's nothing for it to latch onto. Yeah. It's got no ground. It's got no footing. That's a, that's a term that, that Jesus uses. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Don't give the devil a foothold, you know, is in the scriptures. And so, if we've given the devil a foothold in our life by believing enough lies, it is important to to deal with the spiritual component. But if that freaks you out, if, if you if you just don't want to deal with that and stuff, it, find someone who can just pray for you. That's all there is to it. You don't need to be afraid. Don't let the devil bring fear into this. Mm-hmm. Um, the devil would love to just make you afraid of words like demonic. Ah, I don't want to deal with this. Well, now he's just got you to run away because of the word. Yeah. Forget about the word. <laughs> um, if, if that part bothers you and you want to talk to someone about it, go talk to a pastor and just have have somebody pray for you. Or a friend and just have them pray for you. Excellent advice. So then the final one, Nate, is number seven. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I ask to be filled with the Spirit. I learn a new way of living. I discover that the Christian life is not trying harder, but trusting more. I rely on the power of the indwelling spirit to obey God. I learn new ways of thinking, which affects how I act. I know God loves me and is giving me power to overcome the darkness that has been in my life. I find strength to obey. I choose to serve rather than to survive. I experience increasing freedom as I apply the truth of God's word to my life. Amen and amen. And I hope, I've, as you've done it more than I have, but help people walk through this and literally see the walls crack oh. as they're praying. Sometimes they might break down emotionally. Sometimes they, they might get really upset and react against it. But there's a war going on. There's a battle going on over the stronghold. And sometimes you can see it when you're praying for folks. And so sometimes you can pray through this the first time and you, you feel a difference. And you see some relief. Other times, it's like a battering ram against the castle wall. And the harder of a stronghold it is, the hard, the more time I think you have to spend with this. And like, you know, I would I would write these down and go through them daily. Yes. Like make this make this your daily devotion every yeah. day. You keep going through it and through it. And it's like taking a battering ram to a castle wall. Eventually, the wall is going to crack, and that crack is going to turn into a hole, and that hole is going to turn into the wall crumbling down, and all the prisoners get out. And, and so sometimes you have to be persistent here. Whenever Jesus teaches about prayer, he teaches about persistence. Yeah. So it may not be a one and done. You may have to continue to pray with, through this. And you shared that you, you wrote some things down and you prayed them over and over again. I did the same. 
ask the Holy Spirit to lead you to scriptures in particular that speak the truth. Because if you've been believing lies a long time, you're used to believing lies. You, have, you do it automatically. Um, and you have to retrain your brain. The, the, Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you need to renew your mind. Ask the Spirit to help you renew your mind by trading the lie for the truth. And so you have to find the truth. What is the truth in Scripture about me? I am not unwanted. I am not unloved. I am accepted. I was chosen and adopted by God himself. I find the scriptures. I, and I would literally say, write them down. Copy and paste them onto your phone. Whatever you need to do, read them over and over again. Memorize them. Get them in your spirit. Memorize those, those things. And then every time one of those lies comes up, because the devil's not just going to give up. Every time one of those lies comes up and you feel tempted, or you feel like the devil's coming back and those old feelings are starting to rise again, recite those scriptures back at the devil. That's the word of God. That's the sword of the spirit to combat, to resist the devil. Resist doesn't mean ignore. The word resist there in Greek means to stand against in battle. You're fighting it. You're stabbing him in the face. That's how you get rid of this stuff. And it takes a little bit of work. Yes. And it takes friends. It takes the body of Christ. We're not pleased. Don't fight this on your own. That's pride, folks. I'm just going to say it out loud. That's pride. If you try to do this by yourself, you're just trying to do it on your own. What are you trying to prove? Let yeah. me give you one example of that. I went to a church, and the pastor said, we'd like you to pray with a young lady who needs some help. She needs some deliverance. And so they went with me, and we talked with her, and she had been abused, sexually abused, in mm. college by a variety of people. Wow. some in mass, and she was so mm. broken, so broken. And we went through these steps, and we got to the step where I forgive yeah. others. She could not say the words. It took 15 minutes. She was battling. She couldn't get the words out. She wanted to. She wanted to be free because she had believed all kinds of lies about herself. Mm -hmm. She believed she was dirt. She believed she'd never mount to anything. And she it was brought it on herself. This happened oh, because she was bad. Oh, yeah, I've heard those all of it. People all of it. And so I, I begged her. I tried to help her. I said, say it. Say it one at a time. Just say, I forgive. She couldn't get the words out. Finally, after about 15 or 20 minutes, I forgive them. And when she did, Every it was like heaven came in. Everything broke. Mm. Literally, we we didn't even hard, have any, hardly have to speak forgiveness and speak deliverance over her because she, her countenance changed as soon as she was able to say those words. And I knew we were on the way. And I said, "That's we, a strong We deliver her. We deliver her from the power of Satan. We bring her into the fellowship of people of God." And to the love of Christ, you're forgiven, you're set free, and it was wonderful. But it was a battle. It, it was, was a battle. battle. And she had you guys to help her. She had her pastor to help her. She so couldn't have done it alone. We need each we other. We need each other. And, and and so maybe that's, for some of you, maybe that's the first step, is to humble yourself enough to talk to someone else. Yes. I need help. I need prayer. I need you to walk through this with me. Yeah. Um, and if they're not able to, ask somebody else. Because yeah. that's what we're for. That is what the body of Christ is for. Yeah. And we, 
or maybe more than any other topic, this is a topic where we need each other. I'm really glad we did this today, Nate. I, this was good. I I hope it's going to help bring some freedom to a lot of you. Um, feel free to contact us. If you have stories, we would like to hear them. Sure. If you have uh, specific issues, we, we can point you to. You know, there's a number of, of good books on this, and there's a number of um, ministries that actually specialize in this. Yes, resources. We can um, help you find them. And, uh, and if, this isn't the only time we're going to talk about this topic, so maybe next time we could actually give a list um, on air of some of those resources that, good. We, that we know good, good. that we can trust, because there are several. Um, Paul, could you could you close us out in a prayer? Mm, I'm just so thankful that uh, we could talk about this. I thank you, Father, that Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I thank you that John the Beloved said that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We're not, we're not shamed, we're not cut off. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you died to bring us freedom, to bring us into the light. I pray that you would give our listeners a real vulnerability in the days ahead, a transparency where they can be open to the light and to see those things where they are in darkness, where they're running in fear, so that they can step into the light, they can walk in the light, to find the joy, the liberty that truth brings. So we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.